This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Thanks to this episode's sponsor, LLC, TLC. They are just doing an incredible job saving you money on your registration. Be sure to register your vehicles, airplanes, boats, street legal, side-by-sides, and trailers to your own Montana LLC, and you will pay $0 in sales tax. So go to LLCTLC.com for more information. Well, welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Uh, Today's going to be a lot of fun. As you know, a lot of times I do these interviews based on stuff I find interesting or questions I have. And this is a great example here. So I'd like to welcome Stephen Posner with Putnam Leasing. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I appreciate you being on the podcast. So this episode sure. is all about like leasing a collector car. And I've seen your ads and I just happen to have one right here. I'm a big fan of sports car market. And uh, I, you know, you're right there on the back of the Monterey special. And, yes. um, you know, I've seen your ads for years. I personally have not been in the market to lease a car. At least I've never thought about it. So really excited to have you on. If you would tell us a little about about you and your passion for cars, as well as the business overall, kind of like a 101. So I've been in the automobile leasing business for the past 45 years. Um, I started as a driver in my first year of college and blew off college and stayed in the leasing business, stayed in the car business. Uh, This was back in the late 70s when you went to lease a car and the only uh, leasing company you could go to was an independent, like a Putnam leasing. There was no Ferrari financial. There was no Mercedes-Benz financial. There's no BMW or Porsche. They were all independent leasing companies, um, and no no two dealers did business with the same company you did business with if you were a dealer the the individual or the company that serviced you the best that was competitive uh, that brought your business and stuff like that and i started out as a driver and worked my way up to sales and management and then eventually opening up a leasing company um which was sold and then got aligned with Putnam, which is in business since 1983, back in 1989. And I'm the CEO and have been the CEO ever since then. Um, We have offices, our main office is in Greenwich. We have satellite offices throughout the United States um, and all the major NFL cities, if you will. Um, We presently have about 2,500 leases actively um which equates to about a half a billion dollars worth of exotic and classic cars throughout the united states all right so let's go um, back a second what what do you mean by you were a driver so what were you driving <laughs> oh I, I was a gopher gopher okay so the, uh, and the the correct terminology was i was a transporter but ah. in essence i was a um go for a cup of coffee, go to the motor vehicle bureau, go pick up this car, go to drop off these contracts. Um, I call it a gopher. But I started as a driver and so worked my your, way up. Your career story is really cool. You basically started at the entry level position and now you're CEO, right? Yes. 
Yeah. Wow. I um, mean, you know, the only thing, the only other position I could have started at that was lower than what I did <laughs> is if I was the porter, you know, which of course I wasn't. Uh, but and I was a driver. That's all. That's great. I love those career stories. I started as a, a cracker stacker, you know, slinging cases part time way back when. And I, you know, on my day job, I made my way up to district manager and different things. So I love hearing the stories about folks that started at an entry level, then got great success. But it seems like you have had your great example of that. Thank you. That's really cool. Thank well, so tell us, give us an overview, like um, what kind of cars, like if I wanted to lease a car from you, what is the very first conversation we would have? Um, if you were not familiar on what we did, I would basically tell you, um, I would explain the differences between open and closed end leasing. Uh, a closed end lease, you would find if you went to a new car dealer and wanted to lease a Mercedes or BMW or a Porsche or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, and those manufacturers basically have an alliance with a company that leases or a bank that that specializes in that particular brand, hence Mercedes-Benz credit and stuff like that. Those are closed-end leases, which means that um, you lease the car for a designated period of time. And at the end of the lease, most everybody returns the car to the leasing company goes and leases another car and you you're uh, you do have the opportunity to buy it but generally the value that's assessed on the car is much more than what the actual value is so people just move on and lease another car and the only thing that you're responsible for at that point with a closed end lease is excess wear and tear excess mileage and probably a disposition fee uh, an open-end lease is really geared more towards an individual who wants to inure the benefits, all the benefits of a lease, whether it's uh, writing it off on your taxes or saving sales tax, paying it up front. Certain, a lot of states in the United States allow you to expense a sales tax monthly. Um, um, so a an open-end lease um is geared more towards the individual who wants to buy the car or is going to buy the car and wants an alternate way to pay for it. Mm. Um, if you bought a hundred thousand dollar car and you got a hundred percent financing for five years, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you hypothetical, hypothetical numbers. Um, your payment could be $5,000 a month. Right. If you lease the same hundred thousand dollar car and we leased a hundred thousand dollars of the car, your payment could be $2,500 or $3,000 a month because at the end of the lease, there's a balloon that's due that you're responsible for. So the lease gives you the flexibility of paying less every month and being able to buy more automobile. Some of the other benefits behind our particular lease is that we go to our lenders and borrow the money to lease you the car so it doesn't show up on your personal credit. Um, of course, you're not borrowing the money directly from the bank to lease the car. You, you're, we're, we're, in essence, borrowing the money from the bank to lease you the car. So where that would come into play would be if you're in a real estate business or you don't want to show that you're overly leveraged when 
you uh, when the banks run your credit, um, they will see or not see that you have a hundred thousand dollar lease uh, or whatever the price of the car is. It just won't show. The only thing that would show would be an inquiry from us, which generally pops off in about six months. That would still show like the monthly payment aspect of it, though, correct? Oh, it wouldn't show okay. anything. It just shows that someone looked at your credit. I and gotcha. It off, generally, it comes off in six months. And when you mentioned the balloon payment at the end, that would typically be a lump sum kind of payment to pay off the remainder of the correct. loan if you, if you wanted to buy the car? Correct. You could write a check for it. Uh, you could refinance or release the balloon with us, or you could sell the car. And the difference between what's owed to us and what the value of the car is, is your equity in it. Right. Okay. All right. So now I'm assuming the the rates are competitive with other leasing type agents. Uh, how does that rank as far well, as right now? Right now, I'd like to say we're probably more competitive than most of the manufacturers out there in our arena of what we do. You know, there is no interest per se on the lease. There's an implied rate, and our implied rate is more competitive with a lot of the manufacturers out there today. Oh, I got you. Now, what's the reason for that? Is it just your competitive edge you're working on? Is there some other driving force for that? So we're the oldest and the largest independent lessor probably in the United States. We do business with 11 banks, um, which we've had relationships with for years. Um, a company like Mercedes-Benz Credit or Lamborghini Financial only has one bank. Mm. So we have banks that compete in the in our arena of the kind of good customers that we have and right. they're really competitive right okay now what is there a particular kind of car like are we talking you know 80% of your business would be modern day exotics do you do classic cars 50s cars is there some cars you don't deal with we lease everything okay. you know, we don't do we don't do kit cars we don't like to do race cars if they're going to be raced. This is generally there's no insurance on a race car if it's on a track. Um, but we do everything. Um, I would say predominantly, I would say 50% of our business is probably new cars. Uh, probably 45% new cars. Um, probably 15% are classics and the rest are pre-owned okay i'm going to ask some really basic questions here so uh say i wanted to lease a 1967 big block corvette ha who has that car now? like do i find the car do you find the car do you have inventory do you search it out like we we we're not a dealer yep you to walk into my office is 30 cubicles or 30 offices we're like a finance company although we don't finance we lease um, generally, the meat and potatoes of our business, be besides repeat business, is we solicit dealers throughout the United States for their customers. Someone walks into a dealer that does business with Putnam Leasing mm. and wants to lease a car that's on the showroom floor. Um, the salesperson or management will generally put them in our direction, will quote the deal, and if the customer agrees, we'll make arrangements to do the leases with that customer, uh, pay the dealership, make sure the car is insured properly, so on and so forth. 
So uh, we're generally not an out an out uh, outlet for you to come to if you say I want to find a '67 big block Corvette. But if you're a um, a present customer of ours um, and call your sales rep or would call me and say, where do you think I should go to find this particular car? Obviously, we know where to go. Another very nice part of our business and profitable part of our business is we do uh, with the leasing company for the Gooding auction mm. it runs three auctions throughout the United States. Um and we're on premises there to all of their auctions. I know Pebble Beach is coming up. We'll be there. Um, if you would, and if you were to go to Gooding or any other auction company and want to lease the car, you can call us because we don't have to be affiliated with the auction company to do that. And you know, it's pretty simplistic. It's nice to know if you're pre-approved and you go to an auction that um, you can put your hand up, knowing that. You're pre-approved for a quarter of a million dollars with Putnam. Um, and generally, depending on the auction company, when we say that the person's good, um, they'll release the car and then we'll go get the lease assigned and, and fund the deal. Okay. Now, that's really cool. So is there like a list of, you know, uh, classic car or exotic car dealers you deal with? Or is that just we get in contact with you guys? You have your team of folks there that would just help you source exactly what you're looking for. Um, generally, the dealers that give us business are the ones that give us business. If I, I don't quite understand your question, then if you want to repeat it, I'm so sorry. so if I see the car exact car I want, and I don't know if that dealer deals with you guys, is it call still us. you can call, call us. just call you? Okay, just call us and. You know, depending on what part of the country you live in, um, that your call will be sourced to the salesman or saleswoman who deals in that part of the country or perhaps deals with that dealership will interface with the dealer. Uh, naturally, after we've given you leases, lease rates on the phone or, you know, we'll give you a written quote and um, we'll take it from there with the dealership. I got gotcha. you. Get the car. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that seems pretty seamless. Um, I'm, this is great because I just, I never thought about leasing like this and I've seen your advertising everywhere. So I'm, it's really thrilling to talk to you. Um, what other aspects of this do you want to cover? Like, it looked like you, do you do a cap at a million dollar car? Is that what it is? Like, what's the, what's the range of value that you lease? Pretty much limitless. You know, we've done five, six, $7 million cars before. We have the facilities to do it. Um, you know, the main thing is I would just tell anybody that's listening, when people hear lease, they figure lease, I'm never going to own it. I'm going to give it back. I don't want to rent it. I want to own it. This is another way for you, a less expensive way for you to obtain the car that you want and eventually own it. One of the other big advantages, and I kind of touched on it at the beginning of the podcast, was sales tax. So I'm going to say hypothetically, if you live in California and you live in L.A. and you want to buy a car that's $100,000, you're going to pay 9.5% sales tax up front. And when you go to sell a car or trade it into a dealer, hypothetically, 
there's no sales tax credit based on the purchase price of the, uh, on the trade and value of the vehicle. When you lease a car in the state of California, you pay your sales tax monthly. So instead of paying $9,500 in sales tax upfront on a $100,000 car, you pay nine and a half percent of whatever your monthly payment is. Mm. A lot of the cars we lease are people's toys. And we all remember when we were kids, we got tired of the toys we had. So if you if you acquired a car and you leased it from Putnam for five years, hypothetically, a lease is a two, three, four, and five years, and you kept it a year, you've essentially paid sales tax on 12 payments as opposed to $9,500 up front. Now think about it if it's a million dollar car. Right. $95,000 in sales tax. So, and, and they're not only uh, why people in the state of California don't lease all of their cars is really beyond me. Um, and, and not necessarily through Putnam, but it just makes a lot more sense sales tax wise. California is not the only state that is advantageous to lease a car. Connecticut, Florida, you know, certain states right. throughout the United States adhere to that. Certain states are not sales tax friendly when it comes to leasing a car. Um, but in the major major states, and you know, sales tax is a big component of why we do a lot of business. Plus, the IRS really can't tell you what you can drive and what you can't drive, and people still write off cars. So, and the lease is the cleanest um, way of writing off an automobile. Right. Okay. Now that makes a lot of sense. Now, when I think of leases, especially on new cars, you know, there's mileage limitations. There's you know, different things. Is there some type of limitations on an exotic or classic? I would assume there would be some. Um, well, our lease is a lease to own. So in our contract, there is a mileage limitation. But once you've purchased the car, you've traded it in, there's no mileage charge. Uh, and the reason there is a mileage limitation is in the event that we lease you, hypothetically, a new Mercedes-Benz. And we lease it for four years. And we ended up at some point in the lease, you default and we get back a car with a hundred thousand miles. Obviously a car with a hundred thousand miles is worth a lot less than a car with 25,000 miles. We have something more in writing to prove that we're damaged in court and the value of the car has diminished with there being a mileage clause. But there, with every lease, there's a letter that says when the lease is over or if you choose to terminate the lease early, all mileage charges are null and void. So does that is that different, say, for an exotic versus like 1950s Mercedes, you know, or is the mileage uh, constraints? I don't say constraints, but the mileage limitations about the same on a newer exotic versus an older classic? No, they're probably about the same because, you know, an older exotic people really are not going to drive every day. Yeah, you know, right. You know, a 70s or 60s Mercedes or a Ferrari, it's more of a weekend car. Um, a, a newer exotic, people tend to drive a little bit more. So we would probably increase the amount of mileage that we allow you in the contract. But again, it doesn't really make a difference because... When you pay off the car, again, 
at some point during the lease or at the end, there's no mileage charge. Right. Okay. Well, you've answered all my questions I can think of offhand. Is there anything we haven't covered that you wanted to touch on? Give us a shot. If you're out there and you want to buy a car uh, and you want to figure out a creative way to finance your toy, we're in the the toy finance business. (laughs) Uh, Or send us an email. It's putnamleasing.com. And we're happy to quote it for you. And um, we try to make things really easy because there's nothing that we lease that anybody really needs. So we try to make it easy so it's easier for you. Right, right. Okay, that's great. And I'll have all the links and the phone number in the description of this podcast. Uh, but before you go, I do want to ask you a couple car questions here. So uh, yeah. what is where does your passion for cars come from? What do you like? I see you got a Martini Racing shirt on right now. Tell us a little bit about your history. Um. Well, at a very early age, I got to drive some really cool older cars. Being a driver in the 70s, I got to drive, you know, 60s and 70s exotics, Ferraris, Mercedes, and stuff like wow. that. Yeah. And that's kind of my passion. I'm, I'm, I'm an older car guy. Um, I like the older Mercedes, the older Porsches. Um, I've owned a bunch of them in my lifetime. Um, I like those cars. I do. And the new cars are beautiful, but the old ones really still do it for me. I noticed on your website, I don't know what year it is, probably 67, 68, 911, silver, you know. Um, is that put on there per your request or is that just happenstance? <laughs> I approve all the pictures. You know, if you look at, I would say if there are six ads, five of them are cars that I picked out. I think there's one newer Lamborghini, which we don't run that often. But, uh, you know, predominantly they're all older cars that I picked out that I think I would like to lease if I was out there. Yeah, I see a nice little 289 AC Cobra, one of my favorite cars. Uh, do you have anything cool that you're currently driving? Um, I'm driving. It's interesting you say that. I have a bunch of cars, but I was just on the SEM rally, and I turned a 1970 Alfa Romeo, Romeo 1300 into a police car. <laughs> Neat. So uh, um, that was really cool. We just finished uh, that event a couple of weeks ago and I had a really good time. Um, the, a car that I've had the longest is, uh, and you, you're probably going to laugh, was I'm a really big enthusiast of Mercedes-Benz station wagons, the diesels. So I probably have um, the most expensive over the past 17 years <laughs> that I've owned it, 300 TD wagon in existence. And, and I say that only because I've, when you own them long enough, you know, things go and stuff like that. And um, just a really great car that I don't drive too much, but that's kind of my pride and joy. I've got an old BMW now. I've got a 911. My everyday driver is a new Rover, only because I want to get back and forth to work and don't have to worry about it breaking down. Um, but that's pretty much the gamut. Now, what year is that uh, Mercedes diesel? Is like 83? Is it last 85? year? I was going to guess 85 first, and I moved to 83. Okay. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, so I will be in Monterey, so I'll be sure to track you down and say hello in person. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, at, I'm at the Gooding Auction. We have hospitality area and also a booth when you walk in, but hospitality area right adjacent to the uh, to the podium where the auction is. So come say hi. I will. And as, as I said before, thank you for joining the uh, Collector Car Podcast today. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast. Thank you.